I don't believe uh, here at Ebenezer you've heard a New Year's message yet uh, this new year. And so I'm going to bring one this morning. Now, I brought one last Sunday over at Caswell, and uh, six of us that are here uh, this morning were over there. And so I decided uh, not to preach the same message, but nevertheless, I wanted to bring a New Year's message for, for we as a congregation here at Ebenezer. So I'm, I'm doing a different New Year's message uh, this morning than I did last Sunday at, at, at Caswell. And uh, now this message, the, uh, the outline of it uh, doesn't come from me, but it comes from a, a, another uh, preacher. Um, he, um, David L. Burkholder, that was a longtime uh, pastor at the Bank Mennonite Church. He's 86 years old now. And, uh, but years ago, he preached, uh, happened to be when he preached this message, uh, January 1 was on Sunday. And on a January 1 Sunday morning, he preached this message years ago at the Bank Church. Uh, and uh, apparently, um, his work at the time, he was doing a little printing uh, in his home. Norvin, he was doing a little printing in his home at the time. And um, apparently, some people or somebody said, hey, Brother David, that, that was a good message, and, and you know, we don't have a lot of New Year's messages because it only comes once a year, and, and that was a good message, and you ought to write some of that down. And so uh, it was printed in a little tract, a little, little three-fold uh, tract form, and uh, so it was available to people to pick up and, and read, you know. And uh, I, I think maybe years ago, one time when I was at the bank church, I, I saw the track there and uh, picked it up. And uh, so uh, I'm using that, his outline in his little tract of the message that he preached at, at bank years ago on a New Year's Day Sunday morning. I'm using that outline to share with you this morning. <clears throat> um, the title of the tract was... Uh, Stepping into the new year with the subtitle of Keys to a Successful Year. And I'm going to use that for the title of the message this morning, Keys to a Successful Year. In the day in which we're living, um, we, we can easily come to start into this new year uh, with some uncertainties, with some trepidation, you might say. Uh, I'm talking about because, because of the things that have happened all the way around this world, and then politically, even in our own blessed United States <laughs> in the more recent months, that, that cause us to have uncertainties and, and maybe even a fear about tomorrow in the months to come. Um, but um, we all know who holds the future. And it's not us. It's not our politicians. It's not a disease. But uh, I believe most of us sitting here this morning have faith in a God that's in control. A God that created and keeps things in control. Uh, this comes to my mind, so I'll mention, but I just heard on the news a few days ago. So this, this 
space whatever, this probe that's on, on, on the planet Mars right now. You know, it took some years to get it there, and finally they got some probe or something on, on, on the planet Mars. And so, uh, you know, they've had uh, ideas all along of what Mars might be and how it might be and what the down end might be and the surface might be and so forth. And so they were planning to drill uh, pretty deep down into Mars or some, some distance down into Mars to bring some samples, hopefully, back to Earth one day. And uh, so the other day they started drilling and they, the surface was so surprising to them. <laughs> Is that surprising? <laughs> the surface was so surprising. They thought they could go quite a distance with this drill down into Mars, and they only were able to go about one foot deep because the surface of Mars was so different than they thought. Interesting. God knew all about Mars when he created it. God holds the future. God has tomorrow in his hand. God knows what's happening political in these United States. And we get so a little bit bent out of shape maybe because of some of the political things that are happening in the United States right now. When we would all confess that reading the news for years, you know, there's been way worse political situations in other countries all along. And for many years, of course. <clears throat> of course, they say that this pandemic that's around the world, this sickness that's around the world is... Maybe it's kind of something for the, for the first time to be like it is uh, uh, around the world, at least in, in written history. There are three keys that will help us face the unknown year with, with confidence in our minds and, and yes, even, even a spring in our step. You know, we don't have to go out tomorrow kind of walking like this, afraid of what might, we might read in the paper or hear on the news or run into on the street, you know. We, we, don't, have to, we don't have to live like that. But we can, we can go out tomorrow and all next week and all in the next months with a spring in our step, knowing the God we serve and having faith in him. <sighs> so three keys that will help us face this unknown year. And these are the three keys that Brother Burkholder shared in, in this message and in this track years, years ago. Faith, number one. And then number two, determination. And number three, goals. Goals. Children, that you go, to, you go to school here, you know anything about goals? Do, do you? You know anything about goals? has something to do with your schoolwork down here, right? I think you have a little paper on your... Death says something about goals, right? And you mark off things, yep. So goal, children, you can understand what I'm saying when we get to that third part about goals. But faith, determination, and goals will help us as we step into and through this, Lord willing, this, this new year. <clears throat> Pity people who, uh, who don't follow God closely and don't have faith in our creator God and our sustainer God. Won't turn to it, but most of you can remember the story of when the children of Israel finally got to the, just across the river from the promised land, from the land of Canaan. And they had the Jordan River there. 
And, and it's like, you know, they, now, now, God, you, you brought us up here and you promised this land to us. And, uh, you know, and, and, and now you brought us up this way where we have to cross the Jordan River, not only the normal Jordan River, but the Jordan River that's at flood stage. Well, what do you have in mind, God? And God gave him directions as to how to how to do this. And one of the things he said is, uh, first of all, you priests, you have to go, I believe, carrying the, uh, the, the ark, ark of the tabernacle. And that, that was that was unusual in itself. Usually as they traveled through the wilderness, the ark was back kind of in the middle of the, the camp as it moved through the through the journey. But in this case, he said. The priests with the ark should go out in front, a different way of moving than they were used to. <clears throat> and the priests were first to go all the way up to the water and actually step in the water. And naturally, humanly speaking, we would think that's kind of foolish. How will that, how will that get us across the river by just stepping in the water? But that's what he said to do. So they had to have faith in a God that was in charge, in a God that said what he meant and meant what he said and had something in mind, uh, something greater in mind than we could understand. They had faith to do that, and those priests had faith to do that, and they went up and stepped in the water. And with that faith, then, and with that obedience, with that submission, God parted the waters. And then they could go through. There's probably something in the lives of many of us this morning that God is saying, this is what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, is speaking to you, and said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I have for you. And you're standing back and you're holding back and I'm, I'm standing back and saying, but, but I can't figure this out. But I don't understand. Well, God didn't say to figure it out. God didn't say to understand. God just said, do what I say. Trust me. Have faith in me. And I'll fight the battle for you. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. As soon as I say that, of course, many of you realize that the chapter that is, that great hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> So we're looking first at faith, this first key, faith, to help us through the new year. Chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You want a definition of faith? There it is. Go down to verse 7. I'll read verses 7 and 8. By faith Noah, being warned of God, things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he commended, condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Let me stop there and comment before I read verse 8. God told him something, he was warned of God, and apparently he believed it. I just said just, moment, just a few moments ago, is God saying something to you that you need to just do by faith 
but you're hesitating because you can't understand it or can't figure it out. Well, what about Noah? And many of you have been over here south of Cincinnati, Ohio, and in the northern part of Kentucky, and seen this, this ark, this, this boat right here. It's called an ark right here. Now, if Noah, I, I, yeah, as I was looking at this, preparing for this, I, I, I just thought about it this way. Wow. Noah must have had a relationship of God with, with God just like this. I mean, do you have a relationship of God just like this? I, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. When I put my hands together and grip them together like that, I mean, that seems really close and, and together, doesn't it? Noah must have had a relationship of, with God just like that. In order to build that kind of a structure that many of you have seen there in Kentucky, out in the middle of dry land. It says in verse 7, by faith. It just uses that expression, by faith. Do you have that? Do I have that? In what God wants to do with you tomorrow and next week and next months and so forth. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen. So he apparently believed what God said is what I'm saying. Then he moved with fear and he obeyed and prepared an ark. <laughs> I mean, you could preach various sermons from this verse. But it just says in this little verse to the saving of his household. Are, are you and I going to be doing something in the next days and the next months that's going to be a very, very saving, positive influence on our children? And it happens because we, we obeyed God by faith. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he uh, should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. <clears throat> that don't mean just Abraham and his wife walked along in the wilderness. It means Abraham <clears throat> and all his servants all his hundreds of servants and all his thousands of sheep and cattle and all that went. Uh, it makes it a little different picture when you think about it that way, right? Rather than just Abraham and Sarah walking along out in the wilderness. It was a big deal, but he did it. Verse 13. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them far off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And as I was preparing for this, I, I, I said to myself, I should ask us, uh, does the very last part of this verse describe you and me? I'm talking about the very last phrase of the verse. And confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Is that you? Is that me? Is that us? Is that who we want to be? Is that who we should be? Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You could say a lot more about that verse, but we, we must move on. <clears throat> Look at verse 17 to 19. Verses 17 to 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. 
I hope you get that. You know, it's like it doesn't make sense there. I mean, he said, I'm going to offer him up. God said, offer him up. But, but, but don't that seem contradictory? If, if he kills his son, well, then how could, how could the world be blessed by the seed of, of, of Isaac? I mean, he wasn't married yet. He didn't have any children yet. But yet, that's, that's what it says. See, this was a problem. Abraham, now, God, how can you fulfill your promises through the children of, of Isaac, through my grandchildren, if I kill him? But read verse 19. Accounting that God was able. This, this, is what, this is the faith that Abraham had. Believing, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. And what the last part of that verse means is simply that, that in, in his heart, in his soul, Abraham actually killed his son. Abraham went all the way in, in, inside in, in, in offering up Isaac. He, and he believed, he believed that if God wanted to raise up children through him, he could, he could raise him from the dead. He went all the way. He didn't go all the way with a knife because the angel stopped him, but he went all the way in his soul, in his heart. Is that you and me? We will go all the way through faith. <clears throat> Verses uh, 29 and 30. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We must move on, but um, that's the first key to a successful new year. <laughs> faith. Faith in our almighty God that knows the beginning from the end and doesn't look at things by our, our limited mentality. With that, uh, I, before we move on to the third, the, to the second key, and that is determination, before we do it, I would like to read just a page and a half out of this book. You've seen this advertised in Christian Light's literature. It wasn't printed by Christian, it wasn't published by Christian Light, it was published by... Uh, faith Builders, the resource group at Faith Builders. But Christian Light carries it in, in, their, um, in their store and in their catalog. It was written by John Koblenz, which uh, he's written so much, you, you know that name, of course. Um, Journey into God. Uh, if you don't have one, if you haven't bought one yet, I encourage you to do so. Uh, then he also has one more recently, Journey into Jesus. Uh, but this is Journey into God. And... Uh, if you uh, want to know some of the things about God that you don't understand, you wish you could understand better, then read this book. But uh, I was reading, um, I haven't read it at all yet, but I'm right about in the middle, a little past the middle. And just the other day I was reading, and uh, I just thought this had something to do with this message I'd like to share. You see, with these difficult things happening, not just today around the world, not just today in our government, but these difficult things that we have read about in history and that we hear about in the news in the years past. And when, when innocent people suffer, 
And I'm sure if you're like me and, and like he's suggesting here, we, we question, God, why? God, why? God, how can this be? God, if, if you are so-and-so, why? And, and, it's, and it's natural to, to think that way in, in our human thinking. And so in the section of, of this book uh, under, uh, that, that's, that's titled, God is Righteous. God is Righteous is the title of this chapter. I'm going to read you just a, a page and a half. <clears throat> in other words, we, we, we tend to start in our, God help us, but, but, but in, our, in our humanness, believe, in, our, in, in just our humanness, we, we tend to almost start judging God. This is what he says. Although I believe that judging God is foolish and arrogant, I want to say that it is not arrogant to have the questions or to wrestle over the answers. Very holy persons have had huge skirmishes here. Job comes to mind, as well as many of the prophets, who often bore the bad news of God's coming judgment, not only upon the wicked, but also upon his own people. They delivered the messages, but they struggled with God. Do you really intend to do this? Human suffering, divine judgment, both past, present, and future, large-scale injustice in the world, these are whopping issues, especially for people of tainted minds. Theologians have held marathon wrestling matches over these doctrinal matters and have judged each other heretics or sometimes in exhaustion have simply called it a draw. I do not intend to give a full answer. And I do not intend to as a matter of faith, not simply as an escape. It seems to me that a full answer is beyond us. If God is who he says he is, and we are who he says we are, the way of faith seems much more reasonable. In cases where we don't understand, Faith in an all-wise God is more reasonable than the way of unbelief or the way of forcing facts into an airtight theological system or the way of determining answers from God requiring him to give an account to us. We are not in a place to stipulate that God must give us satisfactory answers about the righteousness of his acts. Our thinking is not only limited but clouded with selfishness and sin. God is tra transcendent. He has to be transcendent to really be God. And if he is so, we must not complain when he doesn't make complete sense to us. This is not the same as saying there is no sense to what he does. Isaiah who recorded some of the most terrible of God's judgments, as well as some of the most glorious revelations of God's mercy, delivered this message from God's heart. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. 
If God is transcendent as a person, we should not be surprised that his righteousness transcends our understanding. It seems to me that the first step in trusting God's righteousness is recognizing the inadequacy of our own judgment and the effects of sin upon us. The irony of us holding God and others to doing right, even while we regularly fudge on righteousness, often to give us a healthy, ought, ought to give us a healthy humility about judging in general. It should particularly cause us to lay our hands over our mouths when we are tempted to evaluate God and his ways. In more plain words, when we don't approve of something God has done or said or allowed, we ought first to doubt the rightness of our perspective rather than the righteousness of God. We are limited in time and space and person. Furthermore, we are incredibly selfish. For example, we pray for a sunny day for a picnic or for the traffic to be light or for a short wait in the checkout line with little regard for how these requests might affect people around us. When it rains instead, we get stuck. When it rains instead, or we get stuck in traffic that causes us to miss an appointment, we get angry at God and rude with people around us. And still we don't get it that our limited perspective and selfish intentions put us in a very poor position to judge right and wrong on the scale of running the world. Speaking of running the world, God's large-scale judgments of nations and people need to be seen in the bigger picture of history. The story of a great and merciful God over a fallen world, working out his good intentions of revealing himself to us and redeeming us from our sinfulness, tugging us out of our stubborn unbelief back to faith. Keys to a successful year. First of all, faith. Secondly, let's consider determination. Moving forward and facing the unknown, uh, not allowing the past to deter us or destroy our enthusiasm for the future. That may be a definition of determination in this case. When we have faith in Almighty God, then we can step out with determination. I would like to look at some verses in Numbers and then some verses in the book of Joshua. So let's first turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers in chapter 13. <clears throat>
Numbers chapter 13, beginning at verse 25. Reading verses uh, 25 to 30 maybe here. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. These are the spies that returned after searching uh, the land of Canaan. And when they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Could, could I stop there and just say something? You see the determination and the positive and the outlook and the faith they had. The, this is the report of the spies. They were all upbeat. God had made promises to them. God has made promises to you and us. Will you be upbeat and, and determined to carry out his will and way for your life? Uh, you know, you can see that's what they had in mind here. God has promised the land to us. This is what we found. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. We can do this. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And so they just came right out and gave the truth of what, what is there. Uh, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You're talking about determination. There it is. Chapter 14. Chapter 14, verses 6 to 9. 14, 6. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, uh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord... Delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. They first had faith. And now they have determination. Is that you and me? I, I hope it is. I hope it is. I trust it is. Let's look at one place in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, beginning to read verse 6. Think about determination. I mean, it's not determination because of who I am, because of who we are. 
because of who my family is, because of my, the church I'm with. It's determination because of God and his word and his promises and his faithfulness. And on that basis, it's determination. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at read verse 6, reading verses 6 to 9. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And by the way, I mean, I must just say, as I was reading these verses, you know, there's, there's, there's parts, and you can maybe do this in your own private devotion. Just look at these four, five verses, four verses, whatever I'm reading here, verses six to nine, and just break them apart and look at every phrase and write down uh, the department that every phrase is in. Write down uh, what each phrase is suggesting or saying. And we don't have time to do that this morning. But it's so much in these verses. Verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not, dis- be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I mean, that, if that doesn't give somebody determination, what will? You know? It's, yeah. Sometime I should preach just from those verses and, and just categories, th- categorize things in each verse and, and put them. There's things in there that, that tie together in, in, in every verse. I won't turn to it, but it's, it's Joshua twenty four fifteen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that determination or what? It is. We won't do it on our own. We, we will serve the Lord who will t- carry us through determination. We must go on to key number three, and that is goals. <clears throat> I used to work for James and Joy's dad, uh, Uncle Lewis. And uh, a lot of things he did was fence building. And I helped him build many fences at different places. And uh, sometimes he would build some pole sheds and so forth. And, uh, but, uh, you know, we didn't have computers and cell phones back in that day. And so he would scratch things out on a paper or a piece of wood or something. And, and he would say this, you need to plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. Uh, goals. Plan your work and work your plan. Does that have anything to do with goals that you write down at school? Plan your work and work your plan. Okay? Uh, children, you can understand that. Um, I'm glad you go to a school where, where you have to plan your work and then work your plan, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, we need some realistic and attainable goals to, made up, to motivate us um, to do our best in, in, in this year. Um, all of you have heard the saying, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Okay? <laughs> going through the year, in other words, going through the year without some goals suggests what? It suggests fruitlessness. It suggests wasted time. We need to have some personal goals. Um, and Brother Burkholder, in his message and in his tract, listed six 
personal goals that all of us could have, that, that all of us could attain to. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that you know your life, your private life, your personal life better than most people do. And the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you at the beginning of this new year and say, Johnny, um, you need to have a goal to, to, to do this. Susie, you need to have a goal for the future to stop doing this. And so I'll just mention six here that Brother Burkholder mentioned that's good for all of us, but there may be personal goals that God would have you to have and, and, and work on in, in this new year. <clears throat> number one, goal number one, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Let's turn to Psalm 119. Again, most of you know all about Psalm 119. Nearly every verse, almost every verse in Psalm 119 says, has, mentions the Word of God. Something that is pertaining, that is pointing us to the Word of God. And it's a whole lot of verses in Psalm 119, as you are well aware. Psalm 119, verse 11. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You having trouble in any life, any part of your life that caused you to sin? Well, uh, what about hiding God's word in your heart to help in that area? And that's what the psalm says. That's what the Bible says. Verse 11. Verse 15. I will meditate on thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. That should be very helpful if we do that. Verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. If you don't want to forget it, I'm sure God will help you remember it. Verse 18. Open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Do you go to God's word with your eyes half closed? Do you go to God's word when you're sleepy? Well, maybe you need to uh, pray this prayer. Open thou my eyes that I might be able to see and think. That I may be able to behold wondrous things out of thy law. All the way over to verse 97. Verse 97 Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Uh, if you do it that way, it could be very helpful in your day-to-day -day walk with the Lord. And one more, just one more. 105, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to see where to take the next step? Well, the psalmist said that his word is a lamp to his feet, so he would know where to put his next foot, where he'd know for the next step. Okay? And a light into my path. You want to know which path to take? You know how the path is in front of you? Look in God's word. <clears throat> so read your Bible. Goal number one, read your Bible. Goal number two, pray more fervently. Pray more fervently. Is goal number two. In James 5, 16, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
That's the word of God. Do you believe that? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray for your own needs. Pray for the needs of others that you know. When tempted to, to gossip or criticize, why not pray instead? Praying can be a great help to our attitudes and to our relationships. Goal number three. Be regular at church services, Brother Burke Holder said years ago. Number three, be regular at church services. In Hebrews, we read, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Um, the, the devil has seen to it uh, in this time of pandemic across the world that uh, this is less than it used to be in many cases, in many places. Uh, thank God that uh, we've been able to improve that over the months compared to the middle part of the year. But be regular at church services. That's, uh, you know, um, wow. The devil will, will, will bring up things in your work, in your health, in your situations that will cause you to say, well, I don't think I, don't think I can make it to church. Wow, I didn't plan for this. I, I didn't know it would take this long, so I won't make it for church tonight. Well, you know, I could go on and on, you know, with the illustrations. I'll just stop. But uh, the devil can, can, likes to do that. But um, could it be one of our goals that, that when, when church is open, we're, we're here, you know? And we just plan. We just plan that way. We plan our work and work our plan so we can be at church when there's church, you know. Goal number three. Now goal number four. <clears throat> Live your Christian faith. Live your Christian faith. Our Christian faith shouldn't be something that's just hidden in our heart. If it's hidden in our heart, if it's really hidden in our heart, it will come out in our bodies, in our lives, and in our mouth. And you could say a lot about that, of course. Um, but live your Christian faith. Uh, live your faith daily. And speak of your Savior and of your church. And, and we need to do this in our homes we need to do this at work. We need to do this at school. Um, it's interesting the phrase that the Apostle Paul used when he was writing in, uh, to the people at, at, the, at Thessalonica. Uh, he, he commended them because their, their faith was sounded out. Uh, they sounded out the word of the Lord. Uh, I don't know that I've actually looked at that phrase or that word in the Greek. Uh, maybe that could be your homework. When, it, when he said, it, it's in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.8. Uh, when he said uh, something about them sounding out the word of the Lord, it would be interesting to know exactly how that is straight from the Greek. Uh, if you actually meant they made a sound or, or what. But I don't know, that's how it says it in the King James. <clears throat> so live your Christian faith. Uh, goal number five, be a loyal supporter. Be a loyal supporter. And what Brother Burkhold had to say, according to his comment in his little tracklet on that, his little track on that was um, a supporter of your church in particular. If you've chosen, you know, we're here by choice. If you've chosen to be a member of a group, 
of any group. If you've chosen to be a member, most groups, and you know, I won't, but there's different organization and groups that you can be a member of. But, but you, you, you make yourself a member, but you become a member by, by abiding by and by submitting to and by agreeing to this group and how they operate and their rules and regulations. And so if you've chosen to be a part of this church, then support it 100%. And if you don't support it 100%, well, then uh, those that look up to us, such as our children and other people, uh, will have every reason in the future to not support things 100% either because they saw that uh, you were there just to kind of do it your own way, and it's not important to support it 100%, so they have every right to not support some other things 100%. You know the influence there? You understand what I'm saying. Be a loyal supporter of your church, of its plan, of its priorities, of its rules and regulations. Uh, promote unity. Be a loyal supporter that promotes unity. Be a loyal supporter uh, of one another. Uh, you supporting your, your, your brother. Don't be an offense uh, to your brother or sister or to some little one in the church. <clears throat> Goal number six. Brother Burkholder said years ago, and he would say it today, be more generous. Be more generous. With giving of yourself, uh, what is yourself? It, 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 it's your, your time. It, it's, your, it, it's your talents. It's the things that you can do. Be, be more generous with, with yourself, with your time and your talents. Um, and then... Be more generous with um, your things, with, with your possessions, uh, with the things that you have and the monies that God brings into your account and into your life. Uh, be more generous with those. I mean, uh, there's people that uh, need our help in, in, in various ways. And God has blessed us so abundantly, and we need to be generous with and, and see things as not our own, but things that God has, has blessed us with and has made us stewards of, and he expects us to be stewards of them. And uh, he knows better how they should be used than, than we do. So we need to be open to the Holy Spirit's nudging and urging and be more generous with our things and our time and our talents in the year to come. As I said, that's six goals that Brother Burkholder listed in his message years ago. Um, and I already said, there's, there's other ones that the Holy Spirit could tap you on the back and say, here's a goal for you, Brother Jones. Here's a goal for you, Sister Smith, that you know full well you need to work on in the next months, in this new year. <clears throat> goals. Well, faith, keys for a successful year. Faith determination, and goals. We don't know what's ahead of us in this uncertain year. But it can be your best year yet. Yes, it can. God will be faithful on his part. Let us be faithful on our part. With faith, determination, and goals. 
Shall we have a closing song?